This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is Emily Williams, the Sustainability and Innovation Partnerships Leader at TC Packaging. Hi, Emily. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. That's quite a title you have. I'm very impressed with the amount of words. It's a lot of words. It's one word less than the title I had at my previous job. And I used to joke when I would go to events and speak and they would go through introductions and people would be like, my God, that title, right? And I used to say that if you printed it out and stood it up vertically, it'd be taller than I am. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of words. (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's interesting how sustainability has brought about a whole new line career opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has. Which, which is wonderful, but it's it's people are just aren't sure what to call things. So that's yes, that's fair. <laughs> seems to be very in, accurate to what you do. <laughs> yeah. I the role I had before this one, I worked for a coding supplier and I was the global growth platform leader for their circular economy platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So more words. And and that was a role that was created. Uh, yeah, of course. I was put in it. And right. then I, when TC found me and I interviewed for this role, this is a new to TC role yeah. also. So again, with a, a new role and a new title, and, and you see that a lot in sustainability roles. I think the titles are always a little bit different. Yep. So yeah, yeah, it's the interesting space that way. Absolutely. And I agree. They're just not sure. This is new. What do we let's come up with a name for that? Ask the marketing. What what should we call this? <laughs> but tell us a little bit about your background. Sounds like you've been in sustainability for a while. Yeah. So I'm an engineer by education. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in chemical engineering. Out of my master's degree, I actually worked for a venture capitalist funded startup for a couple of years, two and a half years. And that was doing reverse osmosis membrane technology. So it was like deep bench science, hardcore. So that's where the, the nerd cred comes from. <laughs> You've earned and your then, nerd stripes. Huh? I mm-hmm, love it. Yeah. And so from then, from there, I went to Michaelman, where I was a product development engineer for around three years, and then transitioned into a marketing role as the platform leader for their circular economy platform. And so they provide water-based coatings into the packaging industry. And when I started with them, I was mostly formulating or designing products for compostable or recyclable paper packaging. Oh, wow. And so that was kind of my foray into the sustainability space. One of my big projects was on designing compostable coatings and mm-hmm. started asking lots of questions about what does it mean for a coating to be compostable? And right. people couldn't answer them internally because it was new and people yeah. didn't. So I started asking some of our material suppliers the same questions. And I was asking questions that were complex enough where she was like the, the regulatory person at the material supplier. I was like, you know what? Just join the ASTM committee. And that was uh, like a gateway drug. <laughs> yes. Was joining the ASTM committee. And then I ended up on some other committees. And I started attending like Sustainable Packaging Coalition events or some of Smithers Pyra events and started talking about what it means to be compostable at some of these events and getting into what it means for 
fiber articles in particular while I was there to be recyclable as well. That kind of naturally forayed into the platform leadership role there, where we kind of adjusted the strategy, created a circular economy platform, and they needed someone to lead it. And so I did that. So I, I existed as like this liaison kind of thing between commercial and technical. So it was technically in the marketing department, very closely with R&D in terms of like, here's what's coming down from the market desire point of view. And how can we do this from an R&D point of view and managed a lot of external relationships with relevant organizations like the Biodegradable Products Institute is a good example. So that kind of forayed into this role with TC, where so TC is a converter of flexible plastic packaging. So I'm now on the plastic side. And Michaelman produced some products for flexible plastics as well. So I had some familiarity from that point of view. But TC converts these articles in a variety of, of consumer packaging spaces. And so my role here is within R&D, within our sustainability and innovation group. And it's all about how can I make our products more circular? And a lot of that is working with external groups, participating in a lot of the organizations I already did, including some new ones, leveraging partnerships and relationships, whatever it takes to try and make our products more circular. That's really excellent. I've, I've worked with Michaelman products since I was 18 years old. I worked. I worked at warehouse making okay. boxes. So that mm-hmm. that name, I remember having to roll the fifty-five gallon barrel over to the <laughs> press yep. as a as a youngster, and read the word Michaelman and thought, "Oh, what is this?" So now I feel like we're kindred spirits here in the world of packaging. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about. I want to talk a little bit about the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Can you talk about how TC has connected with what they're doing and? How is that joined together? Yeah, so TC as a company decided to sign the Ellen MacArthur Pledge. So therefore, we abide by what their sustainable packaging goals are. You know, there's a lot of different choices that a company can make out there in terms of whether you join the Plastics Pack or the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, but they all have very similar goals. They all have 2025 and in some cases 2030 targets towards making all of the packaging that a producer or a brand is making or selling to be reusable, recyclable, compostable, containing PCR content. All those goals exist within these different foundations. So we chose Ellen MacArthur and accordingly, we are committed to making our packaging recyclable or compostable and or targeting 10% PCR content by 2025 across like our total product portfolio. Those are big goals. and They're lofty goals. I Mm -hmm. like to hear them. Yep, they're Uh, lofty goals. You know, people often will push back on me and say, well, oh, come on. 5% 5% PCR or 10% PCR is not very much. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. It's, it's a lot. lot. When it's, we look yeah. at the, the grand scope of how many tons of materials are is this location using, mm-hmm. uh, the numbers are astronomical. And when we can interject 10% recycled material from post-consumer recycled, which is mm-hmm. the most difficult to get back, Yep. It's very impressive. So well done. Yeah, it's a tough goal. It's a big goal and it's a tough goal, but obviously we're the endeavor and yeah. we're all kind of in the same boat yeah. trying to get there together within the industry space. That's it. We're all here together doing <laughs> our thing. I'm I'm really working to get the word out that, hey, this is possible. We can do things that are positive towards sustainability. And I know people like you that are very impressive and are actually doing the things that are making the large changes. So we appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, well, we try. Well, I talk about it a lot. It's our other <laughs> in the labs and the plants that are the actual doers. I feel like a lot of what I do is talk. So, but that's well, okay. 
they they need you you need them uh, have to we have to talk about what they're doing and, and they have to do what they're doing so <laughs> it all works together i want to talk about speaking of labs i saw that you have a new recycling lab coming soon mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's what's that all about? Can you can you talk about it? Yeah. So one of the things that TC is doing that's really cool, and and one of the things that really attracted me to them when I was in the process of interviewing for this role was that they're really the best way to put it is they're putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to their sustainability goals. They've yep. invested in a lot of internal infrastructure to try and and get us there faster. So we have this Astrolab Center in our Menasha location and the Astrolab. It's super cool. If you ever want to see it, we love to give tours of it. We love to show it because it is where, really cool. Where is it? It's in Menasha, Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good old packaging okay. country up in Wisconsin. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of cheese. I, I like it. Yeah. So. Lots of cheese. That's <laughs> yeah. a very important business to us too. Yeah. yeah. But we've, we've built in this Astrolab, we have a compost lab. So we have built this lab in order to do testing for compostable packaging to be in accordance with the regulations that are out there. We actually just got approval for from Dinserco. Yep. So we're on we're on Dinserco's website, which means that we should be available for use for companies, non-customer based companies for testing their products for compostability. And we are also building a recycling lab because a big focus for obviously if it's not going to be compostable, we'd like to make it recyclable. And it depends on the application as to which one makes the most sense for your product. Right. And so we've built a recycling lab that's in progress. And the intention of that lab is to be able to do the appropriate testing to verify that materials meet APR critical guidance. I like that. And I like what you said about it depends on what the product is and mm-hmm. what the usage is to see which direction should we go here. Yeah. Maybe maybe a, a, a flexible film covered in cheese and residue isn't the most recyclable material. And, well, actually, what's really know. interesting, it's really interesting you should pick that as a target. Because yeah. We actually think that'd make a great candidate for recyclable packaging because it does really well in plastic and it okay. as much residue behind as you'd think it would. Oh, uh, we've done the I, math. So to I speak. was thinking like like squeezed cheese or something like uh, that. Squeezed you know, cheese, so. that might be a little <laughs> Yeah. Shredded cheese, yeah. Shredded cheese leaves a lot of residue behind than you think. Squeezed cheese, yeah. But yeah, I ta- I spend a lot of time either talking with customers or or interested partners about talking about right tool for the right job is the yeah. phrase that I always use that you really have to think on a holistic perspective of what are my sustainability goals for this, this package that I'm trying to make? Is it, am I trying to improve it from an emissions perspective? Am I trying to improve it from an end of life perspective? Is it both? What's going to be in it? Where is it likely to end up? How does it get into the hands of consumers? You kind of, it's a whole picture discussion in order to help guide someone to the right packaging choice for their material. Right. Do you think the store drop-off is a good option for the recyclable, Mm -hmm. flexible films? I do. I mean, for the simple reason, one of it's the only option that we have in the United States for collecting film products. But if you look at, I think it was in 2017 or 2018, that Green Blue, the Sustainable Packaging Coalition and Green Blue put out a report on how the drop-off program was doing. And at the time it was collecting some 200 some odd million pounds a year, I think of packaging material, which is 200 plus million pounds material that didn't end up in landfill. Right. And it's grown since then, I believe. I think they're working on doing another report to analyze the progress of it and the end markets for it. 
I have spoken to some of the end market users of these materials. I've toured one. I've seen Trex in person, yeah. which is super cool. And I highly recommend going to see it if you can. You know, there's legitimate end users out there who want these materials, including us. We have a recycling center where we're trying to recycle film to make PCR content to put back in our film. And we're doing that and we need more material. So there, the demand almost outstrips what the drop-off program is capable of providing. So if anything, the drop-off program needs to get bigger and grow. There needs to be more materials put into it. There needs to be better consumer understanding of how to properly dispose of their materials into it. So yeah, I think it's a great option in part because it's what we've got, but in part because it's, it's working. We just need to be bigger, much like any of our recycling recovery programs. We just, we need more. Yes. And that's going to be a real problem here as extended Mm -hmm. producer responsibility takes effect. Uh, Yeah. People are going to be clamoring for recycled materials, in particular plastics. Mm-hmm. I had I had Trex on the on this podcast, and it was an amazing episode talking mm-hmm. about uh, the billions of pounds of plastic they've recycled. And their wood. operation is crazy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that they also recycle used wood, and they mm-hmm. grind it up and they put it in with the plastic and. And their water system is all circular, so they're not using lots of water. It's wonderful. Absolutely impressive. But what I was excited to know about is there are other alternatives to the store drop-off. And companies like Ridwell and Mm -hmm. Recyclops are starting to take off. And other municipalities are catching up and saying, hey, we can recycle this stuff too. Yeah, uh, be- because it's becoming more valuable to companies like you and Trex mm-hmm. and other companies. So I, I hope that we are right. <laughs> yeah, and the dream would be does. the dream would be curbside, right? I mean, the dream yeah. is curbside collection of flexible plastics, and that MRFs would be able to sort. We'd have perfs even be able to sort them out. I mean, I've I've got a friend, a former coworker that works at Rumkey, and I've had this conversation with him, and his comment has always been, you know, when de- the demand is there and it justifies. Yeah economics of us sorting it we'll sort it and we'll pick it and we'll bail it the challenge yeah. the sorting it and picking it and bailing it part b it's a tricky stream to work with because of all the materials involved 100 percent. and at waste expo you'll see uh, equipment that can do it and it's exciting to see but it's an investment and you're right it's so are we cart before the horse or uh, what are we <laughs> doing you know which we need to invest in this material in this equipment so that we can get these materials back and reuse them in or or repurpose them, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah. Well said. Yeah. Let's talk about this. I noticed there as a material on your website called Viverte. Did I say that right? <laughs> Viverte. Yeah. V- Viverte. It's Is that little, green? Little French? <laughs> green. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And yeah. So what's it all about? So that is our sustainable product line, really. That is, we have Vivert products that are containing PCR, that are recyclable, and that are compostable. And if you ever catch us at a trade show or an event, we'll have samples on hand that you can sniff, touch, lick. Well, maybe not lick, but in person, (laughs) you can check out. But yeah, so that's, we're constantly growing our product line. In some cases, those intersect. In some cases, you can have something that's designed for ready recycle, meaning it's all PE, and it has some PCR content in it. So, you know trying to combine as much of that as we can. But yeah, that's our sustainable product line. We're really proud of it. Will that be the line that has the 10% PCR eventually? Mm -hmm. Yeah, our PCR products. We have PCR products on the market now, actually in like our shrink film business and in our other other formats. But yeah, we have PCR out there now as we work towards that 10% goal. So yeah, that's, that's where those products are available. And you have facilities all over the country. 
I recall. We do. We are a North American-based company. So we originated in Canada as a printer, largest printer in Canada. And the company has grown considerably via acquisition over the years, been around for around 40 years. And in recent years, they purchased Covaris in the Americas. And that was kind of the foray into flexible packaging. So we have facilities all over. In in Canada, we've got on the eastern side, we've got printer facilities, converting facilities, recycling facilities, and some blown film capability. And then throughout the U.S., we've got different converting capabilities scattered at different plants, Midwest, Eastern, out West. I think we have 26 total manufacturing sites, maybe. I'm very impressed with that. And it seems to be lots of packaging companies are consolidating and Mm -hmm. have consolidated over the last decade. It just, it makes sense that uh, we can, we can do this on a larger scale to reduce freight and things like that. So excellent. So what's uh, what's next for you? You you going to any <laughs> events or sustainable packaging coalition event coming up in Atlanta? Yeah. So yeah, so you said this will probably not air until December, but yeah, I will yeah. be at the SPC event in October in Atlanta. See all of our friends in the industry there. We yeah. will be at Pack Expo. TC's gonna have a nice big booth at Pack Expo and I'll give you the location, but this will air after that. So it probably doesn't matter to say. Well, sure. It, it's always helpful. Chicago, right? I'll be Yeah, I'll be so it's in Chicago it. and we're Lakeside Upper is where our booth is. Okay. is what I was told. But <laughs> yeah, the marketing but, guy says like, make sure you have the location. <laughs> yeah. 8725, is that what you said? 8705. 8705. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can get it edited and posted before, then I, I will. So that, that'll sure. work. We'll be there. What's mm-hmm. the best way for people to get in touch with you? Ooh, there's a variety of ways. You can always email me. Just emily.williams at tc.tc, which is really nice and easy to remember. Yeah. Or find me on LinkedIn. Message me on LinkedIn. I, like most people my age, have one or two phones attached to me. <laughs> I'm so, so. Right. You message me on LinkedIn. I will likely respond pretty much immediately. You can catch me on there. LinkedIn sure is a great platform for communication. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah, it's super handy. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I, I'd like to thank uh, Landsberg Aurora for sponsoring this podcast. If you're listening, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and give us a review. We appreciate that. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, thank you. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve. The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.